All right. So obviously um, we've had some interesting conversations, both kind of on mic and off mic um, in the last really, I guess, probably month as it pertains to what seems to be an ever evolving culture of, um, of current events. And so I wanted to bring Mike Bounds back this week to um, talk about your perspective, because I always love hearing um, the way that you view things. And then um, Ivana brought you in as well, because I love um, female minority business owner perspective and someone who's just crushing it in the property management world and, and someone I adore and respect. And so quickly, tell me um, whoever wants to go first, um, uh, kind of your story and who you are. So I'm Ivana Watson with Triple E Realty and Property Management. Um, I started as an investor in 2002 and just built my business from purchasing one house at a time and then eventually branching out, starting my company to be able to manage properties for uh, owners and investors. And we currently manage about 600 properties <laughs> Wow. In Indianapolis. That's insane. Yeah, but then awesome. have a full service real estate company as yeah. well. So it's crazy. It's crazy. Well, uh, I gotta follow that. Um, I'm just a real estate agent. My name is Michael <laughs> Bounds. <laughs> um, I have a small team um, that we serve Indianapolis, uh, Madison County, and my hometown of Marion. We just um, uh, branched out to there, so I'm excited about that. So I've been in the business for since about 2002. Um, from new home sales to uh, general real estate. So I'm really um, humbled and appreciate the the platform again to come out and hear my two cents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the feedback was was, was interesting. Um, you know, we I, I I'm we kind of touched on it last time. Is I didn't get any hate, and and so I guess from my perspective, either that's um, uh, some either either my audience um, is is at least is woke. I think is that what the cool kids say yeah. nowadays? Okay, got you. Um, or um, <laughs> or or they're just closet with their hate. So um, so we're curious to see. Of course, as the as the conversation continues to evolve, you know, if, if there's any pushback. But I, I noticed even a mic on your end that it seems like um, do you have things calm down as far as like the chatter and the noise, as far as what seems to be people wrestling with their own ignorance? Absolutely not. Okay. Okay. Absolutely not. That. It's worse. I actually really? have okay. a guy tagging me in racist post. Wow. I had to block a guy um, on that podcast. Um, and I have messages. Like if I opened up my messenger, you would see a lot of like, stuff so yeah it happens man i okay, mean let me unpack that like help me understand how again we can only see the world from our own lens right and that's the challenging Two thing worlds, about bro. understanding perspective and that and that's part of what i touched on last week is the, in in my viewpoint everything is a failure to understand is a failure to see where where each person is in this in this entire journey and so help me understand maybe what i'm missing in the fact that i have no negative and no negativity placed towards me and yet you're telling me you have a totally different message it's the same thing we were talking about our average sales price yeah. um, low income your luxury and we have the similar same average <laughs> yeah. sales price yeah it's the same it's it's a matter of perspective so when you walk in people are making snap judgments yeah so last week i spent time talking to a lot of uh, people about how reverse racism works. Okay. So as they they took their um, 
uh, they they listened to my podcast or they listened to my excerpt and they told me about how they have been oppressed. Got it. So okay. I got a lot of that. Okay. Um, so much so I had one guy say that he was more oppressed than I was. Okay. And so I'm assuming was that some was that a non minority? I'm assuming. Yeah. Okay. But the, okay. but the, the thing is, it, it's I'm it's look. I don't like playing victim. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. This isn't a victim thing. Yep. What we're doing is we're highlighting. We're just putting a spotlight on something, and then based on that, where do you? What do you see? Yeah. Like, do you see hate or do you see? Oh man, this is crazy. Right. Mm-hmm. So it just depends on your perspective. And so yeah. I have. I've actually gotten a lot. I've gotten a lot of people reach out to me. I've gotten a lot of good feedback, but I have gotten tagged in a lot. Of, a lot of posts. Um, and I, that lady, what's her name? Do you know the lady, the uh, black lady that's on oh, Fox Candace News? Oh, Candace, like I yeah, keep Candace getting tagged yeah, in her yeah. stuff. Okay. I keep okay. getting Got it. like, she yeah. thinks this, so you should yeah. think yeah. this. Yeah. Which I did notice by the way that she, she did have an, a different take or she did um clarify her her perspective that you probably got tagged in i'm assuming because there was <laughs> well there was only one like uh candace owens take from like the last right. two weeks so i'm assuming it was the yeah. same one and it was yeah. all about about how how terrible uh, yeah. george floyd is mm-hmm. and and that's a byproduct of the culture and and she did reverse course from that quite a bit in the last like 48 hours or so but I'm assuming you probably won't get tagged in that. The thing. damage is done. Yeah, yeah. the damage. The she, damage she is done. She did a panel discussion with like Ti yeah. and yeah. some mm-hmm. people, and I saw, and so some of it changed a little bit. I think that she was trying to push, like, you know, the Democratic Party is just brainwashing you guys, and yep. and you know, saying that she's not a Democrat, and just kind of going into. Um, just it's it's a brainwash mentality that you're being um, brainwashed to think that you're a victim and that you know it's the environment and 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 you have more control over this than you can imagine. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. Have you noticed anything different than what Mike has noticed? Knowing that as someone who follows you on social media but has paid very little attention to social media in the last probably two weeks, as I've tried to focus more on my business. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Have you, have you had any, any byproduct or any results or any negativity similar to like what Mike's explained? So I've never, I haven't had anybody like tag me in anything, but I have had some in-depth conversations and someone posted a post from a, a black male basically saying that white privilege is, just doesn't exist. And so I just responded and said, hey, just be mindful of this. You might want to have a discussion with some people, some real life conversations about this. And just went on to say that it's not an attack on white people. And we're not saying that, you know, you did anything wrong or you did anything, period. We just want the acknowledgement that there is privilege there. Oh, and it went on from, you know, well, my son has been called racial slurs and, you know, I have black friends and it went from that to, you know, my heart is good. Then it went on to, but my black friends say we need to focus on the black on black crime, the um, fatherless homes, the joblessness, all, I mean, like then, so I was talking to a girlfriend about it and she's like, you know, there's a bingo card 
with all of those comments on it. <laughs> and if you put a chip <laughs> yeah. on those, yeah. she's like, yeah. just start dropping it in their inbox and saying, bingo. bingo. Yeah. You know, bingo. Yeah. Because yeah. she took me through the full gamut. And I'm like, mm. and she's like, but your son spends the night at my house. And I'm like, and that's why I need to know what side of yeah. this you're on yeah. because my son spent the night at your house. Yeah. So is it possible? He may or may not be spending the night. Yeah. yeah. Is it, is it possible that there are, so the three of us, I hope are, have a high degree of emotional intelligence, right? Mm-hmm. And there, and there could be the difference of someone potentially being sheltered and, and not being emotionally aware mm-hmm. of, of some limitations Like, is that possible that someone can have good intent and have a good heart and yet be completely clueless yeah, Yeah, and oblivious to reality? I think, but I think there still needs to be some sort of acknowledgement. And that's the part I wasn't getting. If she said in my world, you know, I treat everyone equal and I try not to focus. One, you have to be real with yourself. We all have bias, you know, on Mm -hmm. anything. Mm -hmm. But just acknowledging that maybe some of those things that you were trying to point out about the black community has to do with years of oppression. Mm -hmm. Just acknowledge you can't hold people back and then say, go, catch up. But how do you, I'm sorry, how do you acknowledge something that you're oblivious to? Yeah. That's what you're talking about. Correct. But they don't, like, this is what what I'm seeing is like, I'm literally seeing the unmasking or the unwooling of of people's eyes. They're like, yeah, that's Holy right. cow, this is <laughs> that's legit. Right. Yeah. That's what, like, so yeah. what I'm seeing from, from white folks is that. I'm mm-hmm. seeing, so my job is to kind of just, like, do, like, just say, look, this is what's happening. Open it up as a, it's bigger than, than just one occurrence. This keeps happening. Right. So but, anyway, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, from, from, like, when I hear, when I hear this, I think about, um, as three business owners in leadership, one of the biggest challenges is you always want your people to meet you where you are. Like yeah. all of us want people to to meet us where we are, to understand our perspective. And that's one of the biggest failures in leadership is assuming that people are capable of meeting mm-hmm. us where we are. In fact, what we have to do is go meet them where they yeah. are in order to bring them to our perspective and to that vision. And so as hard and ridiculous as this is to even say is like, as high-minded minorities do you have to almost meet people where they are in meeting their ignorance in order to bring them to enlightenment you have to yeah can you do that or is that does that is what is the pull when i say that internally you just have to i think when you take that approach you have to know you have to give people a lot of grace yeah there we go a lot of grace And I think you have to let them know that it's okay to still have the dialogue. Um, although at that point, I had to tell the individual, I, I need a minute. Like, yeah. I'm getting in here. I'm yeah. getting heated. So let's let's take a moment. But I also think that they don't understand because it is hard. To, it's just like if, if someone's spouse died. Yeah. I can't understand that i can only empathize that it would be very hard but i've not walked in those shoes so you have to have that grace and understanding and patience and it's hard because you're like you don't this is right here yeah so i mean is that and that's like hearing you say that for whatever reason the visual that i that i see with that is martin luther king Mm -hmm. right is that i mean to me i see that as like 
no matter how much you resist, no matter how much people resist ignorance, you still have to meet them with grace and mm -hmm. tranquility to understand that they don't understand what they don't understand. Mm -hmm. How, how big of a challenge is that to actually execute on though? As, as two people who have faced that, you know, and as, as a race have faced it the entire existence as a country. But let me take that out of con. Let me take okay. a different context. This is how, this is how I see it. So my daughter um, is 18. Um, she's going off to Indiana you state. Have, you have seven or eight of them. We right? have a so. lot. Right? We got a lot. <laughs> Thank you. So I'm thinking, yeah. So she's looking at colleges and we're looking at colleges. We're looking at them. And so she kept bringing up rape statistics to me, like when we're, she's talking about, you know, different colleges and I'm sitting there and I'm a 250 pound man. I'm like, <laughs> I don't ever look at rape statistics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, why does she keep bringing it up to me? We all have blind spots. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's I'm, a, good point. I'm a guy. Like, yeah, that's a good point. So from a guy's perspective, I didn't understand why. She, so that's the same thing from a minority perspective. As a black person, I have a different perspective than others. So then I have to, whatever that way, that blind spot that I have, I have to be able to have empathy and, and see that. Yeah, and in order to make progress... What ha what has to occur is there have to be those that have a higher level of consciousness, mindfulness, the ability to ha to be able to like have emotional restraint and meet someone where they are, in in order to actually do that. And I I just like what what caused you to even realize oh that like when your daughter says that you need to meet her where she is instead of like fighting her or resisting right. the concept of yeah. those statistics. Like that's not important. I, I don't know. Like something, I guess in my condition, my blackness, yeah. in my condition, I could see that's why she kept bringing that up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, if you don't have that, mm -hmm. how do you see it? Yeah. How do I explain that? Right, yeah, right. no, good. And good. How, <laughs> how long will it take and how much information do you need? That's the thing. How much information do I need to show you for you to get it and say, man, I just, that was not my world. And I can, I can respect that. Like, I don't expect you to see that because yeah. my timeline is blowing up, yeah. but I have a large group of minorities that I'm friends yeah. with. So of course they're sharing this all the time. And that was my pose. Like, is this coming up in your timeline? I just need to know because all of this every other day, like this is getting on my nerves. Like I had enough yeah. of it. Yeah. And then I go to a friend's timeline and it's, oh, this recipe or these yeah. flowers. Yes. And I'm like, and that, what is coming up? Let me see your timeline. Yeah. And that's the challenge of, of AI, right? Is that right now what I hear you say is like, my timeline looks way different, but right. I can make my timeline. I can artificially make my timeline look however I want it exactly. to. And that's part of the challenge is that when there is a negative narrative and when we engage in it, it actually creates more negative narrative the way algorithms are set up it from does. a social media perspective. So then you're inundated it's a and then you're like, okay, yeah. Now you're mad. And, That's right. You know, yeah. so you're like, okay. You believe the world is actually right. as negative as <laughs> right. you see it in that exactly. microcosm. You're actually That's surprised. Right. You go out and you're like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> like, People are smiling. Right. <laughs> That's right. Well, right. So how, how do you, um, like, 
the interesting thing when I heard you say was that like, no matter how much information you give someone, they may or may not still hear it. And, and maybe I'm in a different framework given that I was just on a coaching call Mm -hmm. like 10 minutes ago. So that's part of the challenge I'll have is trying to like get out of leadership mode and get into like conversation mode. But from a, from like a, um, from a, from a leadership perspective, like I keep thinking about the fact that like, what I heard you say was we tell people information. Do we actually need to be better storytellers in the sense that in order to cause awareness to the systemic racism and oppression and the challenges that people face, are we having a hard time because we tell facts and figures and we're not actually showing what a tangible day in the life of, of challenges that are faced with a minority or like it, this didn't all come to a head until we watched eight minutes and 40 some seconds of George Floyd being murdered. Right. But it It, happens all the time. And so if you tell someone George Floyd was murdered, it means nothing Mm -hmm. until you see it. Mm -hmm. Right. It's a statistic until it's emotionally pulling. And so how do you tell a different story or do you tell that story? I think that maybe because what I also see in my timeline are scenarios where white criminals are running, yeah, you know, disrespectful, um, you know, not following orders, but they eventually get into the car and it's, you know, so that's the difference. It's like you see that or you see the, the shooting in the church and that criminal was taking a Burger King. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. you took him to Burger King because yeah, he was hungry. He, he was hungry. That man was insane. hungry. Like murdered nine, murdered a bunch of right. people. Right. So yeah. you're like, so j- maybe those scenarios need to be shown Robert because we see that a lot too, and we're like. How does this and and you know the common thing is if that was a oh, black man, man if that was a black person no, he'd no, be dead no. like it would not happen that way and so maybe having those side by side yeah so you could the see stark. so it's, as a as a minority business owner who's wildly successful in in what you do what do you want to see for and, and as a parent what do you want to see for your kids what would the change that you want to see how how would you measure that win I think when you get to a point where it goes back to when we were younger, where the police is looked at as officer friendly. Yeah. Yeah. And I was not scared. Okay. That's good. That's good. Perspective. I was not scared Are your kids? as a child. I was Are not scared. You? My kids, I think because they are aware we had those conversations and, and my oldest more because he's older, you know, he's on yeah. social media a little bit, TikTok and all this stuff. And so we have more in-depth conversations. My youngest is still, I think, oblivious just because that's not, it's not where he is right now. We right. have the conversation. We talk about the protests and he's like, didn't Martin Luther King already do this? Yeah. You know? And I'm like, honey, <laughs> Is yes, that a good but- thing though? The fact that he asked that question, is that a good thing? Well, it is... A good thing that he knows that Martin Luther King was a leader who fought for him to have the life that he has now, but it's bad when we're still fighting for the same thing. Well, that so that I'm gonna and um, hear me out in this. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go to the intent piece that okay. says my intent is that is to understand. Mm-hmm. So if I so if I ask something or say something that is ignorant, then call me on. Give it. Grace. Uh, <laughs> Give so, grace. So 
is it a good thing in that from his perspective, he sees no racism? He well, sees no Im- no neg- he, negative. I won't say he it. doesn't see any okay, racism okay. because he's had the you can't come to my party because you're brown. Wow. Okay. He's okay. had that. That was preschool. That was at he's preschool. The, he's he's the going to the fourth, fourth grade, grade now. Okay. So we've had that. You know, as a preschool. Yes, you can't come to my party because you're brown. This was preschool, and so. At the time, he was oblivious. The teacher said it to me so yeah. that just in case he came home. So what do you do as a parent when you hear that? Like, I, I, like I'm i just in shock. So uh, there's two different sides. You get the one side. Well, you're not going to his party anyway because, you know, yeah, whatever. I don't like, want to be associated. What environment? <laughs> and then you quickly go to, hey, you're going to encounter this. There will be times that people won't like you or people will repeat things that they hear. They may not know what they're saying at that age, Yeah, you know, but it's okay. You won't be friends with everybody. Not everyone has the ability or the awareness to have the second perspective though every Why? black person has that you conversation have that with that's automatic every okay. black person has <laughs> okay. that conversation all right with help me child. understand that then because yeah. i hear every that as like i hear that is actually one of the most um, emotionally intelligent and aware conversations oh. that someone can have and it almost m- maybe my oblivious to the fact that that's a normal conversation yeah, right. means that Maybe there's way more emotional and mental evolution on the side of 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 blacks than on whites yeah. in that sense. Look, so how, they, like, people have beef with us. Mm-hmm. Like we don't. We're not. I'm just trying to run <laughs> my business. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So like we just look. We're aware. My mom, when I was eight years old, where does that come from? Like how did like how, from these scenarios? T- okay, okay. This has kid, been going on. Okay. Hey, Floyd. So that's happened. almost like a um, a co- not a coping mechanism, but it's but learning learning to have that high level of emotional intelligence and awareness and have the conversation is a way to cope. And I and I may be using the wrong word, but it is a way to actually exist in the most survive. Right. Survive. You're toughening them up. It's survival. You're toughening them up early because this won't be the first time. It won't be the last time. So when you hear it, you're like, okay, whatever, you know? And so they learn, okay, I see you where you are. I mean, you know, you made your point. I hear you. Now I can choose to address it, move on, but I know where we stand. Right. That's crazy. And can I, I want to bring something. So I think something happened. So like black people have been telling a story. We've been telling stories. Like right now, Netflix has got a whole bunch of black stories yeah, right now. Yeah. What has happened is this, George Floyd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what happened was all this same thing kept happening over and over again. And then George Floyd happened and there was no reason that should have happened. And so what that did was that opened everybody's eyes up. So That's I right. challenge you. Go on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Man, there's all kinds of yeah. stories on there. And you're gonna see story after story after story. After, yeah. And then it'll just and then you'll be like, I get it. Yeah. So it's not just like one moment right. you get it. It's just you need to have that switch flipped and now be curious about it, which is what you're doing. It, it's interesting because Lauren and I were talking this weekend. I made a I made a social media post on Instagram or something with, you know, the the it was like, I don't know, it was an image with the with the iconic fist and mm-hmm. and you, you know like you, you know lauren her intent is like the most insanely p- 
pure intent on yeah. earth. And, yeah. uh, and, and she was like, I saw that. And I was like, eh, I don't know. I kind of cringed like, and in her mind, she had always been told that that was a negative it narrative. Yeah. And I'm like, no, sweetie, I don't think you get it. Like you probably got told the wrong story. Mm-hmm. And so we actually spent some time actually like looking into like the, um, like the black Panther just story in general. And what's crazy to me was one of the stories that I heard was 85% of the articles that were written about the black Panthers were written by the FBI. Mm-hmm. And that's what you understand that propaganda, whether we want to acknowledge it or not is, is one of the most um, powerful and powerful. restrictive systemic oppressions, regardless of whether you choose to believe it or not. Yeah. It 100% has existed forever and continues to this day to exist. And our history that's taught in the schools are removing this. Yeah, yeah. Whoever wins gets to pick the narrative. Yeah. Yes. And so you don't even <laughs> yes. get to read Whoever what wins happened. Picks the narrative. And I mean, I think yep. people would be more aware if they were truly understanding what happened back in the day. Like mm-hmm. what happened to Black Wall Street? What you know, what yeah. happened yeah, with, with lynchings and different things that happened in the past. And so I think that if people knew the history of the prison system and how there is Profit yeah. for yeah. having prisoners, and all the way back to when I, they talk about uh, the 13th Amendment mm-hmm. and how the slaves were freed, but you could enslave them if they did a crime. Yeah. So that yeah. was the justification. And then the free labor. I, like, people don't know I've that. I've seen that truth. Yeah. And I don't, I've never shared this publicly, but I was arrested and um, <laughs> 100% for something that didn't happen. And um, no, no, let's not say that I've never done anything that. I should have been arrested right. before, but didn't get arrested just in the past. <laughs> just this time I did and right. happened to be not not guilty of something. And they actually the they actually told me that they gave me additional community service compared to those that were arrested the same day for the same incident um, because they knew that I wouldn't come back. Mm-hmm. And so they actually got as much free labor from me as mm-hmm. they could right. because I wasn't coming back to the right. system. And yeah. um, and so that woke me up to a way different perspective of actually what um, takes place on a whole new level. My, my entire police report was fabricated, completely one, like 100% really? fabricated other than the location and a few base events that, that did occur. There were a handful of facts that were, that were accurate and the majority of it was completely fabricated. And I will tell you that as a white person going to jail that day, I thought that it was going to be like, hey, I'm going to get booked and and peace out. Mm Because that was actually the story that was told to me Mm -hmm. at that time. And that didn't actually happen. Mm. (laughs) And and I didn't think the system worked like that until I got in it and then stayed there for a while. Mm -hmm. And then finally got out and... And realize that oh okay you can go you can go free now you just right. have to pay for it and exactly. do additional time for mm-hmm. it. I had no idea that that actually was the yeah. culture that we lived in, and the actual corruption that does exist, yeah. which is which is incredible. And I don't know how to fix that. Have you seen the Meek Mill story? No, huh? Go watch that on Netflix. <laughs> really? Like so, it's that he was a nineteen year old kid. So I don't want to like tell the whole yeah. story, but it's literally what happens is with it's a, I. I it's about poor people, a poor person, a little kid gets arrested. They have family members that don't have money. They go to jail for something mini- minimal. He's been on 
um, probation for 11 years. So he's 19 years old, does something stupid, 30 years old, and as they're going through, they keep extending his time. So as a 30-something-year-old millionaire rapper, right. he, it's crazy, and they keep throwing him in jail. He's and on so probation for something he did as a 19-year-old. 19 years yeah. old. So then you're trapped within the system. Yeah. He has the resources of millions of dollars. Yeah. But just imagine if you have no money right. yeah. to fight it. Yeah, yeah. This is, I mean, this is like... I don't want to make this about me because it's not, but I got arrested for a public intox, by the way, it's during the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And I happened to be the designated driver. <laughs> You're and, fired. And like, <laughs> you forgot. And so, like, <laughs> at this point in time, mm-hmm. like, I not only am I not intoxicated, but I'm, the, I'm actually the, being responsible. And yet, the reason why I got arrested was because the, 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 while, ushering my my buddies out of the bar there someone got hit on by with the door in the face on mm-hmm. the street and that police officer in order to protect himself against being sued by the girl who was hit arrested me so there was probable cause to have hit her and and so when you when i look at that i go this is so much there are so many layers that yeah. have to then be unpacked how do we actually unpack that is it possible from the inside Okay. Um, vote. Tell me about that. I think you there has to be people that understand the system from within, and they have to unpack that. Like, I think there has to be awareness around it. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I just don't think people people like I've never I've been, never told that story publicly. By the way, be, no, I just mean because Wait. for me, I look at it. It goes, I'm just going to get a ton of judgment. I'm going to get all no, these things. You won't. Like, no. Well, <laughs> well, no. I mean, it's interesting though because I'll tell you, I, like, I uh, I think there were. It happened to Steak and Shake. There were 16 people arrested that same day and that same night of the Super Bowl. And um, and in all of them were minorities. And every one of them said, hey, when you actually get out, um, you're the only one of us who can have any change on all of this system. So you should do something about it. And I was the only one who, um, who like, now, I, I, like... I feel like that at that point in time, that was the first time I was arrested mm-hmm. and no one and everyone right. else had been there multiple times. And they understood the system way better than mm-hmm. I did too. Yeah. I paid for my entire judicial process mm-hmm. and they knew how it worked mm-hmm. way better than I did in order. And so it absolutely has so many layers that I don't, I don't understand how you unpack it though. So imagine going through that and not, being able to pay your rent. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that that's the that's the difference. Like mm-hmm. the difference is that people are being thrown in that and they don't have the resources, white or black. Yeah. Right? But a disproportionate amount of those people yep. are black. So then they're now settling that. They're saying, hey, I don't I can't bond out, but I want to get home. I have a job. Right. I have kids. I might not be here. Yeah. It might not be my fault, the reason why I'm here, yeah. but I got to get to my job. If I, mm-hmm. So I'm going to plead. So guess what? Now I'm on probation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now I have a record. And now, now I have a record. The, yeah. Yeah. And so now, oh, I want to go visit my family in Michigan or Oklahoma. I got to check in with my, mm-hmm. my PO or yeah. probation. I, I don't know. I think it has to change, change also in the judicial system along with the police department and one- getting those people that are making bad decisions out, 
you know, yeah. not just right. allowing them to continue in that way or a slap on the wrist or administrative leave. There needs to be consequences right. to set an example so that people learn to make some different decisions. Because I feel like in the case of George Floyd, that man stayed on that man's neck yeah. with his hand in his pocket because he's like, what's going to happen to me? You, you don't do that knowing you can't train that the camera people. is <laughs> yeah, on you. Right. <laughs> you can't train that out chill, of people. You know, so That's I not think, training. So then you have to get yeah. those individuals out because how do you protect and serve if you don't care about all the people in the community, if you are protecting and serving certain people, you know, it. you have to get them out. When they show you who they are, you have to get them out. Yeah. And if there are consequences or what have you, then the right people will start making the right decisions to say, hey, I'm sorry, you're going to jeopardize what we're trying to do over here. You got to go. Yeah, I'm, I'm listening to you and I just think about... Um obviously I'm thinking about like the, how deep all of that runs from a systemic standpoint. And then the fact that depending on which side of the aisle, and this is not political when mm -hmm. I say that, depending on which perspective you choose to either identify with or understand, um, there is a little bit of truth and a lot of lies and all of the narrative that we, that we hear from, from a political standpoint is how do you even know which way to vote or how do you know which like how how do you know who you put in a position to make that change and and that's where i wonder is as two successful minority business owners do you actually have more ability to be long-term influence than the political system itself by using platforms, by using your voice, by using your localized influence, can you create more change I, than casting a ballot? I believe, yes. I believe that God gives us our 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 gifts. And um, one of my gifts is I'm able to kind of articulate difficult um, conversations in yeah. a comfortable way, storytell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is what you're great so at. So yeah. I think there has to be more of that because until we all can kind of live in other people's shoes, um, it's kind of hard to, you'll never understand this. Like yeah. until you, and and it's, you have to have empathy for people. So yes, I believe that, but I believe voting is really important. And I believe as, um, you know, as a leader, uh, as a, as a role model, I have to, I have to voice Okay, this is what's going. I think mm -hmm. what's going on is if you don't know what's going on right now, you're sleeping. Like yeah. you're like all the everybody. There's so much information out there. You know who's doing what. You know what's doing what. We're so busy worried about football and basketball and you know picnics that we're not paying attention to what's going on. Well, this week we're back on coronavirus, by the right. way. Yeah. All that now. Now it we're never back left. on coronavirus. Right. It never left. People stopped. People started sleeping on it. Yeah. That that never left. It never left. But but then you've got a group of people who think yeah. that it's a political thing. I know. Yeah. Like, but people died over this, but no, I'm taking my mask off and this is political. The government is doing this, you know, and I'm like, you know, I can't even get into all of that because <laughs> there's too many people dying and I'm not trying to take a chance on it. It's almost like Christianity. It's like I believe in in God. I know that there's a higher power, you know, 
I'm not going to take my chance and being it's on the wrong worlds. side of that, you know? <laughs> it's two worlds. You know, it's one yeah. of those things. It's like, just be aware. And, you know, I get it. Life does need to go on and we need to be able to move and make money. But just be aware. Like, don't be reckless with it. So then how, how do you use your influence to bring awareness to that? So there's different opportunities. I mean, my kids go to school in Zionsville and we love the schools. Um, the schools that we go to. Not incredibly diverse, right? Not at all. Yeah. But at least they're open to having a discussion. There was an opportunity where I saw um, it was a newsletter that went out and I looked at it and, and I can't expect everybody to look at it like that. I read the newsletter and there were no individuals of color, but there was one and their head was down like this. So I just sent a message and said, I know that this probably doesn't come as natural, but we are looking to increase diversity in the environment, you know, in the area. And people say that to me, we would love for Zionsville to be more diverse. I said, the way that you do this, you attract people by showing them there are other people of color yeah. and it doesn't have to be just black people. Yeah. It, we've got Asian people. We have Indian people. We have Hispanic people showcase that on the brochure. So when I get that coming to my house or if the neighbor gets it, they can say, oh, okay, my kid could fit in here because there's a variety of different people from different places. Is it expecting too much to think that someone else will tell that story though? Like, do we, uh, um, and again, I'm going to talk out loud to my, I'm almost like talking about myself at times too. I love it, man. I love should, we, should we expect uh, anyone else to tell our story or do we have to stop waiting on everyone else to wake up and realize what the story is? And I mean, this is, I say that from the perspective of someone who's, who stories get told about all the time, right. um, not as a race related story. Right. So what I, what I've had to learn in the last two and a half years is I have to do a better job of telling my story or right. someone else will fill that vacuum. And if we wait on leadership or on officials or communities yeah. to tell it, will it never get told? And then how do the two of you actually figure out how to weave that into your daily business and create a mission around that? Got is that it. possible or is it? No. No, I was just going to say, I think a lot of it is putting it out for the world to see because I think as a minority business owner, sometimes you suppress your culture or your yeah. way of being to accommodate others or to not be so ethnic that you push people away. But at the same time, you know, I, I never look at someone from a different culture and say, oh, you're being too ethnic. Like you get to embrace <laughs> your Spanish yeah. culture. You yeah. get to embrace your Greek culture. And I, I'm actually jealous that you get to do that and there's no judgment, you know, but I'm, I have to be careful because at the same time, it could be, it could appear that, oh, I'm not as accommodating to others and things like that. And so at this point in my life, I have to say, you know, you're either going to choose me and my company because of the service we provide and I'm still going to be me. I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go, go for it. No, I, I think there's two parts of communication. I can communicate my story somebody's got to be willing to receive that story. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I can communicate. Like, part of that is this. We're here. We're mm -hmm. talking about our story. We're talking about 
But I keep going back to this low, low, low income luxury. I'm telling my story. Yeah. What do you hear? So my condition makes you hear things. Mm -hmm. So then yeah. what's happening is there is an awareness like I have been serious over here. <laughs> oh my God. But see, that's you, me and Siri. You know what's interesting though about <laughs> that. Like you know what I think though when you say that, Mike? I hear you like Yeah, I hear what you're saying as and and I'm kinda like putting this into my own narrative that goes, um, when you when you tell a message that is different than the large scale mass message that most people are used to hearing, mm -hmm. you're an early adopter. Right. And you're going to get met with resistance regardless of the message until people are willing to separate the message from the messenger. And so do you have to continue to tell your story, your message until people are actually willing and ready to receive it? I think people are hearing it. Yeah. So what's happening You said something about the march and your son, your son, yeah. mm -hmm. like what I see when I see the march is in 68. Those are all black folks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and so now. It was a little, you know. Well, there was, there yeah. was some white folks in there, but mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just trying, I'm drawing a picture, right. yeah, a word picture. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. So there was a lot of, a lot, mostly mm -hmm. black folks. Now I went to a, I went to a. In Pendleton. You were like the only black guy. I'm the there, only man. black dude there. You're the only black guy at Black Lives Matter. Here's Aaron driving by waving at me right. as I'm walking exactly. in a protest. So and like then you, you've got white people that are the president of their Black Lives Matter yeah. association in some of these areas where they're not many black people. Do and, you hate but, to see do you hate that or do, is that a no, good no, thing? That's no, that's a change okay. to me because so, the okay. we, if yeah. we don't have strong representation in that area, the word is still getting out. It needs yeah. to be from the inside because it's yeah. the thing. People have a beef with me. I don't have a beef with nobody. Mm -hmm. yeah. So this is my wife was like, are you going to the black li are you going to the the to the um the protest? And I'm like, I'm super freaked out by it. Mm -hmm. Actually yeah. I am because like I'm just freaked out by it right. because I, I'm not from Pendleton. I'm not from there. So and then like almost all it's white. It's all white. I, like, like, so I'm like, from there. And there's I'm like to, six black people. Yeah. <laughs> when, I, when I went to school, there was, I, there was one black family yeah. that I recall growing up my entire mm -hmm. life. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's crazy to me. Like, I don't even know what that's like yeah. to live yeah. in a community where... Were there other nationalities there? No. No. <laughs> no. I mean, I grew no. up in just white bread America no. so in a bubble. How did you like, get yeah. to be so woke? Like, that's the thing. Like, you know, my, my, I have amazing parents who somehow are um, so incredibly accepting to anything and everything. And I always have pushed boundaries and have always been unwilling to, like, be put in a box that that's probably a big part of it. Mm -hmm. So any box in which the majority of people want to fit into, I will not wear that one. And so that may be a big part of it is mm -hmm. like a refusal to conform almost. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and then great parenting, I guess. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's super, I mean, it's all white bread. Really? Yeah. Do you feel like as a black person, it's hard to really, Not only, I mean, because you have stories, I have stories, and people are like, oh, that's unfortunate, that's unfortunate. But on the flip side, they're like, but you're successful now, and 
you've overcome or, you know, you were able to go to school and you were able to do this. And so what's different? Like, you know, how come everyone else can't? You know, because I I grew up in Gary, and when you say you grow up in Gary, people think <laughs> yeah, yeah, we like, were like, dodging bullets you on know, your way to school. Capital, yeah. Yes, that was going on. But I grew up in a two parent household. Know. You know, my parents I went know. to college. One graduated, one didn't, but they went to college, and you know, my parents worked. So I can't say that I have the lifestyle of someone that is growing up in the heart of Indianapolis. I've never been on public assistant and you know so my story is not that story so they had the resources to send me to certain schools i mean i went to a catholic high school i went to butler that is not expensive i mean that's not inexpensive so my story is not the story of somebody who lives in inner city indianapolis because most people might look at me and they may not have those judgments or not all of them, mm-hmm. but I need you to see me the same way you see right. my cousin. They can't tell. You know? They can't see the exactly. difference. Exactly. They don't know your exactly. parents. Yeah. So yeah. For, for me, I, it was it, it came with my mom. She said, Mike, at that, at that conversation, you're going to have to work twice as hard to have mm-hmm. the same amount. Every black person has that conversation yeah. with their child. Mm-hmm. When you go, and when I'm you a go female. home, black people, yeah. and go I'm a home. Female. Yeah. White people, when you go home, ask black people if they have that conversation. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you, every one of them have that conversation. So, so at a very young age, I understood that. I understood okay. that concept. So I work really, really, really okay, hard. Okay, but what's different then when you when if that's a if that's a normal conversation? What's the difference? And I think I know this answer, but what's the difference between you choosing to work really hard and then you choosing to quit or not work, not be willing to put in that work and then go a totally different path? I think it's environment, too, because my parents pushed me. Um, You know, it was a. C's aren't acceptable types. So you, okay, I'm not trying to be on punishment for the whole rest of the school year. So, you know, things like that. I think that I was exposed to differences, you know, going to predominantly um, white schools, um, meeting people from different cultures. I mean, I grew up in Gary, but the school had um, Filipinos, Spanish, um, mm-hmm. Indian, you know, we had a diverse group of people and being able to go in different homes and different, seeing different things like, Oh, you know, we're, we're living pretty good over mm-hmm. here, but you, you have a basketball court mm-hmm. in your, in your basement. You know, like, <laughs> or, I'm like, I didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> Mental note. Get one of those ones. But you know, it's like that along with, um, just knowing that me personally, everybody doesn't have this. Like, I like enjoying vacations and things like that. And in order to do that and go to those places, you have to have the resources to to do that. Um, yeah. And then I knew I was going to be a minority female. My dad told me, you don't just participate. You be a leader so that you can encourage change. Mm-hmm. And I, I had to be the president of yeah. every organization. Yeah. Oh, well, you and I have had these conversations in, in business where you, you know, you've kind of shared that with me where you feel like you have to be even more cautious or conscious of, 
your words, your tonality, yeah. the way you Absolutely. approach something as Absolutely. a female business owner and as a black female yes. business owner. Yes. Like what would be a good example or a good story or, or something that you could share that might help tie that all together? I think because it's so easy to label me as an angry black female yeah. because I can't. And it, it has nothing to do with, well, I won't say it has You're intense. You have with, high standards yeah, for your business, I mean, right? I won't say it has nothing to do with me <laughs> and my But it, right. I can go from zero to 100 very yeah. quickly. And it's because I just don't have time for the BS. Like, I don't. I can see past it. So I have to be able to sugarcoat it. So that the message is not missed. So mm-hmm. I, there's certain things I can't say that my husband can say just because people are more receptive maybe to a male saying it. For me, it's like, oh, you're being a B or yeah. whatever, you know, yeah. but yeah. he can say the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, but maybe my tone is a little different and that's, you know, so I have to be careful how I react, how I respond. You know, you do that text and you have it and you're like, Erase all that. Let me just, (laughs) you know, because it comes across as you're angry or whatever. And it's like, I'm not necessarily angry because I'm a black no, female. I'm no. just angry. I'm angry. You're a person. Yeah. Like, you just pissed me off. You're a white guy. Yeah. We get pissed. Yeah. I mean, we get mad. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So, yeah. So, that's, um, yeah, I think that's interesting where, where it's like you get, the it, it goes to that failing to meet people where they are. Right. And, and being unable to differentiate message from messenger. And, and that's a huge, um, problem. And we really see it, of course, showing up now. So as far as like, like how you've had success, how do you see, I mean, 600 rental properties is insane, by the way. So like, I just want to, I just want to stay right there for a second. (laughs) Like that's, I don't know, even like to me, I can't even think about managing that. We struggle with like six and keeping paperwork and processes like from a management standpoint <laughs> together. So how how have you a been able to have a ton of success with doing that? And then B, um, how do you see that empowering a community? So I think learning what you have to be able to you know, delegate to others. Yeah. That's huge. And in the last couple of years, we've ramped up our admin staff tremendously because my husband and I just could not do it by ourselves. We have continued to add to our property management team because we, as you learn, you grow and you say, hey, this property manager is probably capable of handling this many homes. And to ask them to do more than that is setting them up for failure. And then they're not going to meet your expectations. They're not going to be turning in things. They're going to be mistakes. And those mistakes could get us in court. So we're trying to eliminate risk for our clients, for ourselves. I think it also is one of those things where, one, you then show others, this is a Black-owned business. You can be successful as a Black-owned business you have to do things the right way yeah. and be able to compete with all counterparts, you know, and that's the difference. You have to show up, you have to work hard. And I mean, my clients are very diverse, mm-hmm. international. Mm-hmm. Some people have never Your landlord met clients. Me. Yes. Yeah. You know, from different countries and, you know, our beginning clients were very diverse, which you would think, oh, it's probably just friends and family. No, it was it was friends and family, but it wasn't 
just black friends. Mm-hmm. You know, we had white counterparts, white coworkers because we started this business working yeah. full-time jobs. Yeah. So, you know, people like that and then just referrals. And when you can get a referral from outside of your community, you're like, man, this is great. People see me for what I want them yeah, to see the me for. Instead. That yeah. is awesome. Yeah. And, and, and I'll, I'll say, I mean, in my opinion, property management is arguably one of the most challenging and you would know better than me, um, challenging and simultaneously corrupt almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can be divisions of real estate. Mm-hmm. The investing and the management portion of it can be an incredibly gray liberal area. And yet you've obviously amassed this large business in the city by, by clearly doing things the right way. And, and so there's, there is also a impact that you have by doing that. What do you think the reason that people continue to use you or continue to refer you and, and what kind of change that has on both the perception of black business owners and property property management in general? I think it's the communication and just over communicating to our owners where people will tell us like the fact that I can pick up the phone and talk to the owner of the company. Okay. Or the fact that, you know, when I shoot off an email at 10, 11 o'clock at night, you respond Mm -hmm. and they're like, (laughs) why are you up? And sometimes we will just pick up the phone because you sent that email. And I think that's, really the key and just making sure one, like I'm not trying to hurt my business by getting you for an extra $200. Like that's not going to make me successful. And I think just knowing that, like when there is a charge, we talk through That's a personal standard though. Like I hear this show up, this theme though, you have high personal standards and your parents clearly forced or, or taught that on you is to have high personal standards. And so that carries through in your business. If that's the case, it sounds like that's what we try, we try to do. And I think the other thing is just, you know, making sure that people build trust. Yeah. So when you have that furnace that goes out and you have to replace it, they truly believe that you had to replace it. And then when you make a mistake own it. Yeah. And make it right. Yeah. That's all Just you can do. Make it owner. right. Yeah. Um, we talked about this last week on, on in our conversation was just the impact of homeownership in the black community. Mm-hmm. And, and what kind of impact have you seen as both a black homeowner and then as you got into being a black investor mm-hmm. and now as a black business owner? I mean, that's a massive progression in a short period of time. What kind of impact has that had on your life? Well, I think one, I think for me, home ownership was natural because my parents own their yeah, home. So I saw that. Yep. But I think being able to bring awareness to the community in different capacities. I mean, so I'm a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha. And so we are always in the community, educating the community. And so for people to be introduced to that. Even talking to tenants and sending information to say, you know, if you're interested in owning a home, reach out to your property manager. They are licensed agents. And just being able to have someone there to answer questions 
almost like treating your clients as if they are family, really like mm-hmm. hand holding their hand, answering those questions that they may think are really serious. I mean, silly questions, but it's something about being able to work with people that look like you. So being able to be that face so that they trust that they're going to be taken care of. But I think that that's why our property management business has been successful because I run it like I would want my own investment properties to be run if I had to hand it over to somebody else. Like don't nickel and dime me, you know, but check on my property because that's the other thing people put tenants in place and and they never go back over there until they move out. And now the deposit is gone they don't, you are never going to get those funds back, but you could have if you just stopped by and saw that the faucet was leaking yeah. or the tenant yeah. clogged that drain or whatever and make them pay for it while they're in the property. Yeah. I bet they won't keep doing it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> How do you, um, and you said that you've never really positioned, and maybe I misinterpreted, that you've not really positioned your business as a black owned business or serving one particular yeah culture um do you think that now would be the ideal time to teach wealth building as a minority business owner to other um black americans who don't know that wealth building is an option it is and this is the time and this evening i'm going to be on another panel talking about just that being a minority (laughs) business owner and understanding that building wealth gives you so yeah much freedom to be like when i knew that i was getting ready to walk away from my job you have a different attitude (laughs) and sometimes you have to check that attitude because you're like i could get fired in a minute because my mouth (laughs) because i know i'm out the door but at the same time it is a dip so okay i have built this business over here if tomorrow you say you don't need me right i sleep even better because I don't have to go there anymore. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? I can yeah. just do. And, and I think that that's important in the minority community to understand how strong your dollar is. Yeah. You have a voice and it is your dollar and where yeah, you spend right. your money. That's right. And if you learn at a very early age to build supplemental income and, you know, whatever mm-hmm. that is, investing, whatever your thing is, then there's a different perspective. Absolutely. You know, you're not one paycheck away from being homeless, right. you know? How did the two of you then use your platforms, your knowledge, your your business building skills, your leadership, your voice in order to create a future generation or a cause around the idea of wealth building in, yeah. in the black community? So I do this. Like mm-hmm. when I when I am doing a it's like a it's like a, a a trick. I get people to call me to stop paying rent. And then when I talk to them, <laughs> I say, this is really the reason why you want to buy a house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I literally go into, this is what's happening. Yeah. And this is why you need to do this. And I give them examples of time after time. This is about wealth building. Mm-hmm. And so for the longest time, that wasn't open to people that look like me. Yeah. So... I'm taking this opportunity to be a more of a consultant. I tell people I'm a coach. Mm-hmm. People say, what is a real estate agent? I'm a home coach. Mm-hmm. I walk you through the process, and all those facets. And this is about not only building wealth from that perspective, 
But my mind is open. Yeah. I'm sure my mom and dad never thought about generational wealth. No, absolutely not. I mean, I I don't imagine. I see it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've never thought like that before. So I think that is the difference. Like once people that look like me can start passing that knowledge down to their seed. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's when you're going to see an uplift. The thing that I wanted to, I think I kind of missed on that post that I had yesterday or last week when we were talking about, you know, property and the thing thing that I wanted to impress upon everybody in this room was to acknowledge that when you see people of color, acknowledge that not that long ago, that was our circumstance. Mm. So then when we move forward, you have that in your mind. Nobody wants a handout. Right. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants you just to know that that time ago, that was our circumstance. Yeah. I mean, it's like starting a race from a Completely yeah, different. Like saying, line. hold on, yeah. hold That's on, all let I was everybody trying to go articulate. Yeah. and then say catch up, yeah. and expect you to be right where everybody else. That's and it. Yeah, as a a lot of people have, a yeah. lot of people are right there, and they are where they're supposed to be. But there's so many people when you really get into it, and it's just like when I'm looking at tenants and running applications yeah. and stuff, and you see like they don't understand that decisions that they made. By breaking that lease, compounds can further yeah. hold you back, and it's yeah. like, no, you have to work, you have to contribute to society, take care of yourself so you can make decisions. I always tell people, get to a point where you can make the decisions you want to go, you want to do. As simple That's as freedom. Yep. having a job that provides you insurance, so you don't have to just go to this doctor yeah. because this is what mm-hmm. Medicaid is covering. Yeah. Have the ability to choose the doctor that you want to go to that cares about you and your health. You know, mm-hmm. simple things like that and understanding there are so many generations of people who have learned how to, they learn the system. And trying to change that mindset. They think that they're getting over by, you know, you just work this much, you'll get assistance, you know, they'll give you a voucher and, you know, you'll get all these things handed to them. And they think that they're winning because they have learned this is what you do. But I want to tell them that you can do so much more. It's simple as getting a trade and then learning under somebody then start your own. Mm-hmm. And then every dollar you make is going into your pocket, mm-hmm. less the expenses and Uncle Sam and all mm-hmm. that. But mm-hmm. that's a lot different than I'm selling this product for somebody and I get 0.005% of the profit that they're getting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, the thing is, I want to uncouple, though, is that a lot of times that stereotype is tied to black people. Mm-hmm. When the vast majority of welfare recipients are actually not black. Right. So. Tell me about that. I didn't know that. I know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> there's, okay, like, there, there's a less proportionate. Not that I ever assumed that it was. Yeah, I, just, I know that. Thought but, of it. But, but when, if you, if you that's look. That's probably the picture uh, that gets painted. Yeah, yeah. your yeah. mental picture mm-hmm. that, mine got painted there. That's the thing. I'm yeah. black. And I, but I'm self-aware enough yeah. to know that I am. Is that true? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and then when you look at how many people are in, in the world in general, it's 
I mean, we are a minority because we are a minority in numbers. I think at the end of the day, sometimes it's not even about black or white. It's about the socioeconomic dynamic of, you know, just people not being aware of the ability that they have to really um, make a difference in their own life with financial freedom. I mean, because it doesn't matter what color. I mean, you look, there is, there are ghettos in all communities of color and, you know, white and whatever, but it's a matter of understanding what education can provide for you, what just seeing or having that representation Mm -hmm. of someone else doing something different that you can kind of piggyback on. I mean, you need these mentors. You need people to kind of steer you in the right direction. And so luckily I had my parents, but everybody, you know, don't, they don't yeah. have that. And so they've got to latch on to a teacher, to, you know, a coach yeah. or somebody like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's interesting that you say that because Kate and Tyler, we were shooting a video series. Uh, it's probably been six, eight months ago now, but one of the questions was like, would you rather have, um, a lottery ticket or like a key that unlocked any door. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'd rather have the winning. And I think everyone on the team said they'd rather have the um, key. And I said, I'd rather have the lottery ticket because it'll buy the ability to access any door that Mm -hmm. I want to, because money is the actual key that opens all the doors. And it is interesting to your point, whether minority or not, the actual, race to to learn is the socioeconomic race yeah. because that's what creates the ability to have influence mm-hmm. but this is my problem like yeah. when i'm a realtor because i couldn't get promoted okay tell me about that well i'm i i, I, that, I yeah. wanted i wanted promoted and i like could you not I, get promoted because you didn't really, have results? No, I don't know. I'm not. Or look, leadership. Look, I'm not. Look, hands are up. I know you guys are listening to podcast. I don't. I don't race card. I don't. Right? No, I get that. But this is the thing. There's an invisible hand. Yeah. I can be really good. I have a guy, a friend of mine. I was at uh, as worked for a company. I crushed it. I hit every point. I was peacocking like, oh man, I crushed that. Everybody's giving me chest pumps. Somebody put me in my place and they let me know. And so I don't want it to be about what it is. And it's funny, 10 years, this was 10 years ago. One of the other people still looks at me and says, I can't quite put my finger on it. They just, I can't quite put my, now do you see the finger? Do you like the, the, yes, there is. There is um, some self, like, you have to work really hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you, you hey, stay ready so you ain't got to get ready, right? right? And then you also have to have the skills. But then also, you guys, you know this is about relationships. That's and, right. And if I don't look the part, yeah. if I don't look the part, then you can't see me in that role within yeah. your organization. Yeah, that's right because oddly enough like I'm on this uh, like on this kick where right now they, when you pull Fortune 500 CEOs and their and their exec boards and they're doing a CEO search the overwhelming majority of them when searching for a CEO hire by they'll know a CEO when they see one. Yeah. And that's that is the tangible criteria is they can't quite quantify it, but they'll know it when they see it. I don't it. look like And I one. imagine it doesn't look like you. You're it right. It doesn't. Because none of the CEOs that I've seen 
or very few of them, mm-hmm. look look like you. They had to have the path that I did. Yeah. They had to go build it from the ground up. That's right. That's yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, because so, if you look at the Forbes list, they're very... They're, how can, I, all how can yeah. I change that? Yeah. Right, because then the perception is, Pull up our are they not yeah. intelligent, diverse minority yeah. candidates out there? I mean... There are plenty. Mm-hmm. There and, are plenty. And this is why success and leadership is lonely and, and doesn't get talked about enough. And that's because when the, as you become more, more and more successful, you actually have a duty to share your story so as to empower other people yeah, and to make them aware that, yes, that what you're thinking, feeling, and going through is normal and part of the process. And, and so... I think as a minority, you are in a position where you have actually almost twice yeah, the amount of responsibility yeah. of that. Have you have you felt that way in the past, or is that new though? No, I think for me it would be newer. Yeah, I think that you do it within your small circles and groups because and you're worried about being judged, impacting well, your business. No, because you're focusing on growing your business. Got it. Okay. And so you're like, I'm focused on growing my business so I can build that legacy for my boys or whatever. And then you, in your mind, you're like, when I have an opportunity, I kind of teach along the way. But I think what I hear from you and what I'm realizing in all of this is that, you know, I have a responsibility to be very active in my community so that I can make them aware of, hey, there is success. This is how you do it. My story wasn't always easy. Yeah, you can still do it. And you don't have to be a rapper and you don't have to be an athlete. Yeah, You know, like you can do. And it's funny because I had a cousin who's younger than me that said, I didn't know anybody else that was black that owned a business. And I'm like, really? Why? That's what Mike, that ingrained. was the most insane Why? thing to me when Mike said that it's to me ingrained. two weeks ago. Like, yeah. If you are a young black person, you are going to be a rapper, you want to be a singer, you want to be a football player, you want to be a basketball player. Like That is it. That is your way. That is your way out of the system. Yeah. And so it is my job to say, no, that is a lie. That is not true. There are ways to get out mm-hmm. and you can uplift. So my job... As a like, it doesn't matter what color you are. Right. But this is the thing: young black people see me. Like young white people might not see me as much, but I'm sure my nephews and my nieces see me. Yeah. And I want to be make sure that I'm I'm right. I laugh when you tell that story because I love playing basketball as a kid, and then as a white kid, I also realized that playing in the NBA yeah. was not a path Pass for me. Pass so, <laughs> so. I, <laughs> So I wanted to be a ba- I wanted to be a basket I wanted to be a play by play broadcaster because mm-hmm. right. that's what the white guy does. Right. He can't play like- basketball. <laughs> is talks about it. That's instead. it. So that's what I did. That's too funny. <laughs> that's interesting. But now that I think about that, that it, we do what we see most mm-hmm. of, especially yeah. as children. And so, in conclusion, um, what do you what do you want people to see or to know? Um, and kind of leave with, and as we as we talk more and more about creating awareness to some of the challenges that take place in the black community, I think that I want them to be aware that there are a lot of stigmatisms and stereotypes that are out there. That it is everybody's obligation to 
make sure that they see past that and see black people for who they are individually, because it's important for you to understand that, yes, there are a lot of people oppressed and they are trying to deal with it the best they can. But if I threw you into that environment, how successful would you be? Mm-hmm. And understanding that it has nothing to do with just black people. It is environment. It is, you know, low income, like you say, it is all those things that cause people to do the things that they do mm-hmm. or live the way that they live. Just kind of be a little bit more humble about your upbringing and your environment and be aware that if you were in that same situation, you may not have, you know, overcome it. You might be right in the midst yeah. of it. And so just just have grace with all people. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, even the, the focus on our Hispanic brothers and sisters, like people are so judgmental about, oh, yeah. you're in this country and you shouldn't be here. And. Yeah. I'm like, these folks are trying to get away from whatever is back yeah, there. And man. they are looking at, if I can just get over With here. This big beacon. Hey, right. this is great over if here. If I can yeah. just a big get piece of cheese, over if I'm here, a mouse, you know? I can make a way. Like, they don't <laughs> yeah. want to be illegal. Yeah, they very right. much want to be legal and not have to worry about yeah, that. So right. let's just give people mm-hmm. grace, period. Yeah. And understand everybody is working hard and everybody wants to provide for their family and live great lives. But there are some setbacks and there's some things that are out there that are preventing the natural progression of of success. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mike, anything in conclusion that you, that you want to add to that? Yeah. You know what? I just, I try to, you hit it. It's all about grace. I try to, what would Jesus do? (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, Mm -hmm. Hey, I mean, he would have great, you got to keep in mind and I want to, Jesus was Jewish mm-hmm. in, in Rome. Mm-hmm. So if you look at context, <laughs> if you look at the context, so what I try to do is I just try to be humble and I just try to walk with God's grace. And I hope that if I give that off, that some grace can be received my way as well. And I think we just need to love each other. This like the police walking, you know, protesting with people and like yeah. having empathy and um, that's all good stuff, man. So I, I'm actually, I'm actually more hopeful now mm-hmm. than I was. To be honest with you, I am way more hopeful today, even that's with awesome. dude messaging me stuff, <laughs> than I was two months ago. Yeah. So. Yeah. Awesome. Well, love it. Thank you both so much. Of course, uh, well, I'm, I have no doubt we'll continue the dialogue, and um, and hopefully, just by continuing to create awareness, it gives people visibility to their blind spots and those that need hope and role models the two of you um are are top of the class absolutely thank you thanks